Welcome to Tantra Talks. This podcast is brought to you by Tantra Labs and hosted by Tantra CTO Russell LaCour and Creative Director Brecky Von Bitcoin. Please note, all opinions expressed by Brecky, Russell, or their guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Tantra Labs, Inc. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brecky, Russell, or their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Do you want to earn interest on your Bitcoin? Tantra Labs has the highest performing return on debt in Bitcoin. To find out more about how we have delivered the highest return in the market, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, Medium, or the contact link available in the show notes. Now back to the show. Morty, Morty, where are you? Oh, jeez, <coughs> Rick, I, I'm sick, Rick. I'm trying to keep my distance from you. Morty, get over here. Oh, Rick, I, 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 didn't you see what, what everyone's saying? I, I think, I think, <coughs> I think I should keep six feet, <coughs> six feet away from you. Morty, stop being a little bitch. <coughs> Damn it, Morty, you're getting me sick now too. Rick, Rick, are, are you, uh, are, are you worried about this uh, corona, coronavirus thing at all? Morty, uh, 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 open your open your eyes, goddammit. Uh, coronavirus isn't what you should be worrying about. Did you did, did, uh, 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 did you see the Fed? They're printing six trillion dollars, Morty. They're doing a, a, a bailout package. Oh, but, but but Rick, can they can they really just just print six six trillion dollars like that? Morty, Morty, do you not understand fiat money? Haven't I been telling you about this? They can print literally an infinite supply of money. Oh, what? Is, is that why we should buy Bitcoin? Yes, Morty, that is exactly why we should buy Bitcoin. All right, well, okay, I, I, guess, I'll, I guess I'll buy some Bitcoin then, but, but Rick, uh, where do we... There's just, like, so much fake news everywhere. Where, where do we go? Morty, um, you know what? Why, why don't we listen to the Tantra Talks podcast? Oh, that's a great idea, Rick. And here we are, folks. The Tantra Talks podcast and this episode, we are calling Why We Bitcoin, because if you've been uh, looking around lately, there's lots of reasons for why we Bitcoin. Uh, Russell, my co-host, are you there? I am here. I am absolutely stunned. That was an amazing Rick and Morty episode, all packed into 20 seconds. <laughs> Let's just be clear. It was an uh, unofficial, uh, unlicensed impersonation impression of uh of mick and rorty or rick and Morty, whatever <laughs> look if justin roiland if he listens to our podcast and wants to sue us by all means i'm just glad he listened to the podcast <laughs> uh and if uh if you're hearing me cough folks that's because doing the rick voice really really hurts my voice uh i am currently social distancing i don't have any symptoms that i know of so i think i'm okay for now but uh Russ, how you doing? Where are you? Tell the folks at home uh, where in the world you are. You've uh, you've moved recently. I don't know if I want to dox myself like that shit, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Russell is somewhere in the Caribbean on an island. <laughs> we, we, can leave, we can leave it at that. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Because it actually, it's funny. It all ended up working out really well for me. I'm in Puerto Rico right now in the middle of nowhere. So I'm pretty far removed from... Um, 
everything that's happening in Los Angeles. I, I feel for everybody there. And, you know, we've been on quarantine here for over a week now. Um, and Puerto Rico barely has any cases, but definitely glad to see them taking it seriously and shutting everything down. I think it's the only way we're going to, what, what is the meme? Uh, flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. We're going to squash that curve. We're going to squash yeah, the curve. It's, uh, it's, it's a little different here in LA, although I'll say that um, because LA is such a widespread out city, you know, you can probably, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not on wood here, but, but, uh, you know, I think we can keep people out of social distance a lot more easily than let's, you know, let than like New York, let's say. So, you know, yeah, I'm in a house, I'm, I'm here with my roommates, but, uh, you know, I don't have too many interactions with people these days. So I think uh, we're okay. It's, it's tough, you know, like I, we don't, we live in a country that really values its freedoms and to tell everybody, you know, for two weeks, you don't really have your freedom. And it's, I, I, I hate to say this, but it, it's going to take longer than just two weeks. So, yeah, well, it's going to take longer than two weeks. And I mean, I think we'll touch on this a little later, but you know, as we're seeing a lot of governments and they're, they're using this almost as an opportunity to kind of take away some of our basic freedoms, at least here in the United States. And, you know, as we, we've seen, we saw with the Patriot Act and we see, you've seen with, with laws, it's just, it's easier to introduce them than it is to roll them back. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of my fear, but yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into the meat of what's going on right now. Um, I think we're going to talk a bit more economics than we will about, you know, the, the virus itself and where it came from and all that, you know, recipes for bat soup and all that fun stuff. So, uh, Really, my joke. my grandma has <laughs> my grandma has a really good recipe for bad soup. It's called "Don't fucking eat it." <laughs> there was a uh, there was a comedian. I, I'll send you the video. Let me open it in the show notes. Um, who did this amazing video that was just like calling people out, calling parents out. It was like you know, like keep your snot nosed fucking kids inside. Don't let them go out there. You got to do some like 1930s shit. You got to hit them with a belt. You got to keep them inside. <laughs> No, don't let them run outside. Oh, you're being mean to your kids? I don't fucking care. He, it was so funny. I forget the comedian, but really, really good. <laughs> That's great. I came up with a really good analogy that I want to share because I've been having this conversation with a lot of people lately, and it's really funny because we're back in a situation that we were in in 2008 in a very similar way. <sighs> and, um, and, the, and they're but, not learning the, uh, the lessons that they learned last time. Well, that's the thing. They didn't learn the lessons. And so here's the, this is my, my example of what a corporate bailout is to those of you who don't maybe not fully understand what's going on here. A corporate oh, bailout. quick though. Let's, Go ahead. let's, uh, let's tell the folks who are listening about the $6 trillion package real quick, just in case they, uh, they're living under a rock and not watching the news and, uh, or watching luckily, it looks like future. Or watching from the future. Um, all right, so I've got an article here from the nationalreview.com. I'm just going to read the first paragraph or so, and uh, I'm going to do it in a Walter Cronkite voice just because uh, why not? Oh, yes, please. This is uh, Walter Cronkite. I'm here reading an article by Zachary Evans. It starts with uh, Kudlow project coronavirus aid package to reach roughly $6 trillion. 
White House economic advisor Larry Kudlow on Tuesday projected that the total economic stimulus to be enacted by the federal government will reach $6 trillion. Of the total, $4 trillion will come in the form of liquidity from the Federal Reserve, while the remaining $2 trillion will be part of proposed Phase 3 legislation from Congress. If the total assistance does reach $6 trillion, that would equal about 30% of U.S. GDP. Man, I, I think I got a little Nixon in me. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I was going to say, if the American flag could talk, that's exactly what it would sound like. <laughs> I am the American flag. You better wave me and put me on your front lawn. Or you're a commie. <laughs> dirty, dirty, hippie commie. Yeah, that, there's the Nixon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one hits a little too close to home when you say hippie. Um, okay, so, <laughs> so, right, we have all these giant corporations that uh, we're going to print money to save. And so there's two things here. I, I saw this really good tweet where this guy was like, they expect the lowest income people in the country to have 12 months of emergency funds in case something bad happens so that they can take care of their, <laughs> their bills, you know? Right. And, but as soon as an emergency happens, corporate like corporations in America are expecting bailouts one month in. If that's not the most like eye opening wait, what the fuck's going on here? Why do the corporations have all the money and the people don't and they get different treatment? Then I don't know what reality you live in and I wish I could live there with you because you are ignorant as fuck. Yeah, I mean it's just it's going to be hard to watch. I mean, we look there's a lot of the uh, at least the Demo I think the Dem a lot of the democratic uh, congressmen and congress people and senators and whatnot have been pushing and saying that, you know, it needs to be an equal stimulus package that goes to the people as well as the corporations. But, you know, we all kind of know how that goes. So, there, yeah. you know, there definitely is going to be money for the people. You know, I think, you know, they already said that they're going to be sending checks to every American and I'm going to be spending my check on Bitcoin. <laughs> I wouldn't hold... I wouldn't hold your breath on them sending anybody checks, and we'll get into that later. But first, I want to I wanna tell you, I want to give you my easy-to-understand explanation of what corporate bailouts are. Okay? Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Okay. I'm ready. So a corporate bailout, after having had them in 2008, is the equivalent of – you remember the rich kid in high school and his dad, as soon as he turned 16, he bought him a brand new, let's, let's say it was a BMW or maybe it's a Maserati or a Ferrari, whatever, a really nice car, right? This kid goes, sure. goes to a party. He gets shit faced drunk and he drives his car straight into a tree. Okay. He goes home and the, he tells his dad, dad, I got drunk. I drove my car into the tree. You know, I'm an idiot. And the dad goes, you know what, son? I'm going to get you an even better Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is the government saying to corporations, you know what? You've mismanaged your funds, but it's okay. I love you anyway. Even though you're an idiot, here's money to go do it again. <laughs> but Russell, they, they didn't mismanage their funds. What they did was they took their profits and they bought back stock in order to increase the price of the stock. 
What's wrong with that, Russell? Uh, I mean, it's an opinion, right? You could basically argue whether it's <laughs> right or wrong, but the purpose is, is now they don't have any money to sustain themselves. And you just, ha- you have to expect like, and I guess this is, it's interesting, right? It's like um, the bailout, if it comes to people and companies, then you could consider it fair. Because then you're basically saying, I don't expect companies to have enough money to survive through a month of expenses the same way I don't expect people to. Both of those, I think, point to a larger you know, crack in the armor of the American financial system in general or the world's economic substance in general. I mean, the proof is in the pudding that we run in an economic environment where CEOs are incentivized to make money quarter over quarter, which means no true economic value is being created. And we really just are in an over leveraged bubble all of the time. And the bubble just popped again. Welcome to the world that we actually exist in. That's been covered up for so long. It's it's the world we deserve. <laughs> it's the no, it's not. Bitcoin fixes this. Exactly. Sorry, exactly. That's why we're talking about it, right? It, as long as they keep printing money, your buying power power goes down. It becomes harder and harder to pay your rent because your rent keeps going up because your money is being printed, but property can't be printed. You know what? Let's uh, let's dive into this for a second because uh, there was some interesting stuff going on on Twitter. I forget exactly who said it. Maybe American Hoddle or I can't remember. But people were questioning like the whole idea of taxes because basically, if the uh, government yeah. can just print as much money as they want, like why the hell are we paying taxes? Why do they even bother? I mean, it's a rhetorical question, but well, it's it's really interesting, right? Like. So I said this to someone earlier. This is hopefully going to piss a lot of people off because it's going to make them realize. <laughs> every... So a lot of people in, if you asked them, you know, what caused Bitcoin to go to $20,000 in 2017? I say 20000 It didn't go that high. It went to like seventeen or eighteen. Depends on the market. Chill. But what? why did that happen, right? So you could say the halving you could say user adoption, you could say the market. No, people wanted to buy Ethereum. And you know how you got Ethereum? You use dollars to buy Bitcoin and then you could get Ethereum with it. So Mm -hmm. the price of Bitcoin went up because people wanted something or they needed Bitcoin to use for something else. Same thing happens with the US dollar. The US dollar is worth something because you need it to operate in the United States. If you're going to a gas station, you need US dollars. If you need groceries, you need US dollars. If you need to pay your taxes, you need US dollars. So I think that's the, uh, I don't know that's that, the key like, right there. That's the most important one. The, the argument, because I've seen what you're talking about on Twitter, the argument of like, well, if we didn't pay taxes, then the US dollar is worthless is necessarily true. The whole. The oh, I'm not whole, saying it's worth it's worthless. Although I think it is. I'm just saying that like, if they're going to be printing all this money anyway, like why do they bother with this whole taxation of in, taxing of income system? You know, like what's the, the point? And, the, I mean, the corollary is that the point is is to, is to you know keep the entire uh, um, accountant industry 
afloat and keep the IRS going. I don't know. It's just well, no, uh, you're you're onto it. it. The point of it is basically the taxation of the American public shows the economic power of the U.S. government. So the more money the U.S. government makes in taxes, the more economically powerful the company is. Or I say the company, America is. (laughs) The the whole purpose is like America, and this is why Trump was elected, right? He's saying it's a business. Let me run it like a business. And to do that, that means we're going to get people to be taxed here. We're going to incentivize businesses. We're going to grow our businesses. And that makes America's like, quote unquote, balance sheet look better. So Mm. printing money is not good for the government. They know this. It's why they don't print money all the time. But right now the idea is like, okay, we can print money because if we don't, the whole system will collapse. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. There's other ways to handle this. Like, so this is going, I mean, it's like putting a bandaid on, on a, on a compound fracture, you know, like it might help for a, a few seconds, but uh, you know, they might be helping in the short term, but in the long term, they might be contributing to the, the downfall of the system itself. 100%. And, and ultimately the monetary system that exists today, as we in the Bitcoin world see it is inherently flawed. And because of the way that it's operating, it is going to implode. And so when they do things like this, they're just making the bomb bigger and bigger where the explosion will eventually just be catastrophic, right? And we're seeing right now this blow up that's happening. Like imagine a world where they don't halt evictions, where they actually say to people, and so this is happening, right? Like there are people right now that lost their job that were already at zero in their bank account and they cannot go and buy food and they're stuck indoors. It's literally a reality. Now that happening on a larger and larger scale is also possible. And so one of the, like the darker pessimisms that I have right now is that I don't think the U S government has the bandwidth to send out checks to people as much as they would love to do it i'm sure building the pipelines and processes to actually give people that stimulus in an efficient affordable and you know economic well i'll say efficient and affordable way i don't know that it's entirely within their grasp because there's so many questions that you need go ahead a hundred percent. But, um, I mean, this kind of, I had this on my list. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I think this was about nine hours ago. This is on Forbes, uh, digital dollar and digital wallet legislation surfaces in U S Senate banking community. And they basically are recognizing this and this might actually spur them into creating a digital dollar so that they can actually do this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so who's going to build the dollar? Who's going to build the app? How are you going to sign up for it? And how long is that going to take? Cause I'll tell you right now, yeah, there's people already starving. Right. And so that's the problem. It's like, okay, yeah, give us our stimulus package. By the time we get it in four to five months, it's too late. Damage has already been done. Yeah. I mean, I'm also on the verge of going, like, doing a personal bank run. I mean, like, I, I went and ch- I went online and checked what my, my uh, withdrawal limits are. And it's like $700 a day. Like, we're living yep. in hyperinflation. Yep. People just don't realize it. Yep. 
Like I'm almost on, I'm, I'm, I'm like wondering what's the best way to do it. Should I just like do a daily withdrawal from like, just go to the ATM every day and just take out as much as I can. Like Pretty much. I, and that it's a good, you know, it's really funny that you say that on a podcast, we named why Bitcoin because your fear there and in, in order to get into cash is like, okay, you know, the world goes to hell and the internet doesn't work. Now what yeah. do you do? You know, you, you can't use Bitcoin. And that's, I think, one people's argument for why Bitcoin doesn't work. And that's why we have like the Bitcoin satellites. And ideally, we get to a world where everything's satellite based and then nobody EMP bombs the satellite networks in outer space. Um, but mean, again, we're there. like they're building redund- redundancies in. And I think if the Internet goes out, we're going to, you know, we're going to have a, a much bigger problem on your hands. Toilet paper will be a real commodity and. You know, I might I might become a gun owner at that point. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny because it's the absolute truth. You know, like yeah, they closed down uh, gun shops in California. I think they they said it's a non essential bu- business, but uh, you know that I don't think that's the reason why. Yeah, I mean that that's interesting. That's definitely especially right now. It, I know that there were lines out the door because yeah, it. We're we're preparing for potential uh, apocalypse now. Whether that actually happens or not, I'm not gonna say. But for the most part, I, I think we're we've got 12 more months of really locked down. Don't the world's not gonna operate the same way for the next 12 months. Now, lockdown or not is is hard to tell. But this virus isn't going to just go away and it's already taken hold, right? There's no stopping it now. It's only slowing it down. And so outside of the scope of, you know, my knowledge and expertise is the timeline, but I can tell you this, when the government decides that they should print money to prop up the economy and they have no way to prop up their citizens you live in a very dystopian country and that is the case right now 100% and it's because governments haven't adopted digital currencies like what we're what they're saying they want to do now and i'm telling you it's too late so hopefully I mean, dude, I they adopted anyway. I feel like, I, but I, I was saying this earlier, talking to someone. It was like, at this point, that system's too late. But what they can do is make it so that people can get essential items for free. Like you can identify hmm. yourself using a driver's license or a passport or something, and they'll give you like rations, right? They can stop all mortgage payments. They can make rent non-essential. All of these things can be done tomorrow. They can be passed in the law. Getting people checks, much, much harder to do. So I don't know whether that's all kind of a ruse or not, but somebody has to realize that that's just not a reality that can happen very easily. Yeah, man. I mean, we'll see. I did, I did just hear word anecdotally that the Costco near me is fully stocked with the exception of toilet paper. So that is good news. <laughs> but I will say I 
I hear you on the dystopian thing, man. Like, you know, I, I go outside, I, I, I see helicopters, multiple helicopters every day, every night. You hear the sirens. Yeah. You know, you don't see people anywhere, you know. And I, what the crazy part is, is I was, I was having this thought the other day. I was like, shit, like, this must be what it feels like to live in China. Well, assuming that you, like, understand that you're not free, that kind of thing. You know, like it feels very authoritarian and I don't think we've seen the end of it. We're just seeing the start of it. So it's, it's, yeah. it's going to be interesting. That's, that's the thing. I think a lot of people maybe don't realize this. I didn't realize it till, you know, two weeks ago. This is just the yeah. beginning for the United States. This is literally like we're two weeks into it for the most part. I would say it might be the the end of the United States, not the beginning. And like I, I was saying to you earlier, everyone will get this virus at some point. It is that infectious. And it's whether your immune system can handle it or not is truly the question. And so part of this equation and flattening the curve, you know, squashing the the curve or whatever they're calling it, is that social distancing to keep yourself from getting it along with the rest of the population. Hopefully making sure that we can spread it out. Well, I think we should talk more about why Bitcoin now that we've talked about why the world is ending. I I messaged you to talk about this because I was thinking and seeing the stimulus package, seeing the economy crash, seeing Bitcoin basically correlated with the stock market were all very interesting events that happened all simultaneously. And I was, I read your article, like I was sending your article. Um, what's the article you did that's like Bitcoin for beginners? It's like all the links for everybody. Mm, yeah. You Bitcoin wrote it a while beginners. ago on Medium. Or a beginner's guide to Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, and I so I was I was reading through that and like trying to get a grasp on more so like how can we use this world environment to wake people up? You know, how do we get people to realize like as long as the federal government can print money, they're going to put private institutions first. Um at least the I hate to pick political sides because the Republican Party will, right? The Democratic Party says that they won't, but we can generalize. We can generalize. Every all the yeah. politicians have, uh, you know, have have corporate in their back pockets, but uh, yeah. And so, for the generally most... speaking, the Dems are for the people, and the Republicans are not. <laughs> yeah. Gen so generally speaking, you know, as long as we have corporate interests in mind the people are going to get the shaft and, and it's it's been happening over and over again. And we're effectively a snowball rolling down the mountain, turning into an avalanche. And it's really the kind of thing that we're not going to be able to stop. And Bitcoin stops it. Right. And so let's, I, I want to talk about why Bitcoin stops it. And I want to basically just assume, and so, you know, whether this stays in the pot or not, Savannah, I'll leave up to you, but. Um, <laughs> cut it out. Don't cut it out. Cut it out. Don't cut it out, Savannah. 
Well, basically, confuse the hell out of her. I want to um, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Well, I was going to say, I go back to this quote all the time. It's from Travis Kling over at Ikigai. Um, and it's the way he describes Bitcoin, well, I'll just say it. Bitcoin is a non-sovereign, hard-capped supply, global, immutable, decentralized, digital store of value. It is an insurance policy against monetary and fiscal policy irresponsibility from central banks and governments globally. And I think if we if we look at that quote and we break it down a little bit, it, it basically tells us why we Bitcoin. You know, yeah. like Bitcoin is non-sovereign. You know, right now we're dealing with with uh, sovereign currencies. It's a hard cap. Bitcoin it has a hard cap supply. So right now we're seeing all these other currencies that do not have a hard cap and they are spiraling out of control. So let's go go, go slower, go slower. Because see, this is what I want to talk about. I, and I, this is what I want the podcast to be about. And honestly, we might want to cut out the first 20 minutes or put it at the end or make it into its own pod. Seriously. Sure. Because this this is what I want to talk about. So the idea of non-sovereignty and hard cap supply are very important when we talk about the U.S. government's power, Democrat or Republican, right? So we're about to print potentially $6 trillion in USD. Now, whether that goes to the citizens' pockets or the corporations' pockets is actually irrelevant here because no matter what, at the end of the day, your U.S. dollar is now worth less. And this is what's the most important part. Without you voting, doing anything, having any power whatsoever, they are literally stealing from your pocket by printing money. And it will continue to happen. It's happening at a rate of about 2% a year currently. And until you die, it will continue to happen. The only way to protect yourself from this is to own assets and property. Bitcoin being digital property, gold being physical property, actual real estate being physical property. But all of these assets will protect you as the government decides to print more and more money without your say. You're depressing me, Russell. Oh, wait, we have Bitcoin. Not depressed anymore. <laughs> um, but no, you're right. And, and the crazy thing is because of this virus and because the effects of it are... are kind of unprecedented in this modern age. We haven't seen anything like this in, I don't know, a hundred years, whatever. Um, we don't know how some of these other assets are going to play out either. You know, like the real estate market could tank because no one's moving, no one's building, no one's doing anything. Yeah. You know, personally, I'm not as upset about that because maybe I can afford you know, an art studio <laughs> or something that I can, that I, you know, that I couldn't yeah. before, but the majority of people in real estate might hurt. Might, they might be feeling a lot of pain, you know? Gold is doing some interesting yeah. stuff right now, but we're also seeing that there's, I think, a shortage of physical gold out there. Um, you know, and yep. I, I, if you're a gold bug, I, I'm nothing against gold, but if you don't actually physically have the gold in your possession, it's not your gold. It's the same as having dollars in a bank. Yeah. Well, and so this is this is the thing about speculation, right? And one of the beauties, it's why I Bitcoin, right? It's code. There, there's 21 million. There will never be more than 21 million. There's a potential that there might be less because people lose them and lose their passwords and things like this. But you can see it. You can actually go and verify how many there are, how many are in circulation, what's happening, how much gold was moved today. 
You know, how, how many people nobody transacted? Knows. There's no way to know how many U.S. dollars moved today. There, nobody knows. All of these things are so far removed from us. And so personally, as a data scientist, it's very much unattractive to have no idea how much actual currency is out there because it, it makes it much harder to pinpoint the value of something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got to say. <laughs> you, here, keep going. Let's go down the, the tweet more. I like the idea of breaking it down. Bitcoin is a non-sovereign, hard-capped supply, global, immutable, decentralized, digital store of value. You want me to finish it? No, I want you to do it in the Walter Cronkite voice. <laughs> but stop at the same spot. <laughs> America, this is Walter Cronkite or Richard Dixon. I can't decide. Bitcoin <laughs> is a non-sovereign, hard-capped supply, global, immutable, decentralized, digital store of value. So global, immutable, decentralized, digital store of value. So global. That's right, Russell. So... <laughs> So global and decentralized kind of lend to each other. So I'll, I'll talk about both of them, right? So when we talk about why Bitcoin, it's really important that anyone can buy it anywhere in the world, regardless of who they are or what age they are, you can own or purchase Bitcoin. So it's not the same with stocks. You need to be a certain age. You need to live in a certain country. Uh, it's not the same with property. You normally need to live in that country. Also, Russell, there was something I wanted to add. It's not only that they can buy it, it's that they can run a Bitcoin node. They can verify transactions. They can, in effect, be their own bank. And basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, can't, I can't do that more than a few seconds. Um, no, but basically, even when you own stocks, most of the time you don't actually own them. You know, they. How many times have they shut the stock market down? You know, in the last week, yeah. They can't shut shut down. The, one, you can't shut down the Bitcoin network, and two, most of these exchanges are not. Um, let's see, overseen by the by the U.S. government, so they can't really be shut down either. They're twenty four seven. So it's a much different sort of ecosystem. Basically, the ability for you as an individual to not only verify that all of the transactions on the network are legitimate to trust your own computer to trust yourself now you don't need to trust a third party you don't need to trust bank of america or first bank or what whatever bank you use you've now eliminated them and you're trusting in the code and that code is bitcoin's code I mean, Bank of America, is, as I mentioned earlier, is, is telling me I can only withdraw, what, $700 a day? Like, I can send as much Bitcoin as I want yep. at any time of the day, whenever. Yep. And they literally, <clears throat> you know, two weeks ago, you could have withdrawn $5,000. And they didn't ask mm -hmm. you and they didn't tell you. You probably didn't even get a notification. They just changed. No, nope, not at all. And, and – go ahead. Well, I was going to say we should, you know, kind of look at the back end of this quote a little bit. Um so I think that's where it really, really hits home as to what's going on right now. 
Um, so it's an insurance policy against monetary and fiscal oh, policy yeah. irresponsibility. We'll get there. We'll, we're we're going to take this whole podcast on just <laughs> on just this quote. God, this is this is really important because to me it's like, look, this is a great quote. It's for sophisticated people. Not everyone understands everything in this. Russell, Russell, what are you saying about our listeners? What are you saying? We have very sophisticated listeners. What? Are, They're what, the best listeners. They're huge. They're very sophisticated. <laughs> no, it, the point is, is like we as Bitcoiners, whether our listeners are super sophisticated or not, we need to learn how to communicate in a simple way because not everybody is super sophisticated, but everybody needs to know about this. Everybody needs to know that when the government prints $6 trillion, you should not be fucking cheering. You should not be happy that they're doing this. You should be pissed off that this is happening right now. Yeah. I mean, you could be happy for the help that you might be receiving, but overall. Well, overall, you, know, you should be mad that you should even need help. That's the. Yeah. And it's not mad at yourself because it's, it's truly, in so many ways, not your fault. A lot of this economic system has been set up for the lower parts to fail, for the people at the bottom that support the system to not be able to live self-sustaining lives. It is intentionally designed that way and built to keep people in their survival processes. Why? I don't fucking know, but it's very obvious when you look at it that it was built to make a few people very successful, but most people stuck. And so Bitcoin solves this. Let's talk about why. The, the most important part here to break down is what it means to be decentralized, right? And so when we talk about decentralization, your bank basically made a decision and you had no say in it. But when you live in a decentralized world, you have a say in everything and everyone has a say in it. There you're effectively operating with the entire community as a vote. So the Bitcoin network was designed in a way where all of the people participating in the network have a say in what's going to happen. And now that lends itself to a lot more explanation. And that was a very simple way of putting it. The network was designed in a way where Everyone who is involved is incentivized to do what's best for the network. The U.S. dollar was not created with the same incentive structure. The U.S. dollar was created so that the persons in power have full control to pursue their best interests. The blockchain is built to pursue the interests of all involved. I don't, I don't agree with that. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I don't know if that's the most eloquent way of putting it or the simplest yeah, way mean, of putting it. I mean, we can expand on it a little bit. I mean, because there is some controversy here. Like a lot of people will say, oh, but you know, the Bitcoin core developers control everything. Um, and they don't. Um, the idea that and you were talking about nodes and I'll get into that in a second, but basically anyone anywhere can learn how to code and they can go on GitHub and they can contribute to the Bitcoin uh, 
code yeah, base. If you have a and, good and idea. Anyone, it's a meritocracy. Um, and I think that's important for everyone to, to understand. Um, yep. When it comes to nodes though, um, what that what you were kind of alluding to and what I'll, I'll expand on a bit is that let's say some asshole named Roger comes out and says, I've just created a forked version of Bitcoin. This is the real Bitcoin. You as a node operator can say, I disagree. Or, and as a miner as well, I disagree. This is not Bitcoin. I'm going to continue running the code that I want to run yep. that supports the that supports Bitcoin, the Bitcoin that I believe in. Yep. Um, well, let me walk that back. There is only one Bitcoin. If anyone's listening, there's only one Bitcoin. <laughs> no, but that, that's I don't want to hit lambasted for that. But that's a great, great point you made there, right? Like, ultimately, you have a say. And your say is immutable. You get to decide. And so I'll, I'll talk about the next part, which is immutability and what that means. And so for something to be immutable, it's unchangeable. And so, again, a lot of controversy goes into this. I'm not trying to get super sophisticated here again. Let's just keep things simple. But Bitcoin as a transaction record which is what it is. Bitcoin is the receipt of the internet. It, oh, I like that. Thank you. Yeah, I, actually, I think I stole that from Tom. Tom talks about it like a receipt, and I, he said it that way. <laughs> and I, So Bitcoin as a receipt, once the transactions have been written to this digital receipt or digital ledger, they are immutable. They are unchangeable. And so... This is well, something. Let me stop you bit... for half a second. Yep. Let me stop you Go for ahead. one half I, a second. I know it's going to come. Go for it. Yep. <laughs> as we need to be clear, as Bitcoiners, we use the word immutable all the time. Um, and in reality, technically speaking, uh, the blockchain can be rewritten. You know, you've heard of a fifty-one percent attack. Like these things yep. are technically possible. But what Bitcoin has is the highest level of finality in existence. Yes. Meaning that in order to reverse a transaction, it is so incredibly difficult that it may, might as well be impossible. And if you were to, let's say, compare that to uh, the U.S. dollar, for example, you know, how, you know, what transactions can be walked back, what, up to like three months in some cases or even longer. Or if a court comes in and says, you know, you owe so-and-so money, you have to give it to them. Like there is no finality in the dollar either, I, I would argue. It's much, much worse. Maybe with cash, that's different, but but more or less, Bitcoin cannot be changed. It's immutable. Once a transaction goes through, there are no chargebacks. And so th there's so many, this is why I wanted to say simple, because there's so many things to add on to this. But like <laughs> uh, speaking in terms of the stimulus package that just happened, or is happening, I should say, and the laws that were recently enacted, Banks now are required to have 0% collateral, which basically means they can change the amount of zeros and make more dollars. This is bad. They can now do whatever they want. They're not required to back loans with any certain amount of money. And basically what this means is that they can go out and lend infinite amounts of money to people, even though they may not they might not have that money in their bank. They might not physically have that money, 
they can give people money. And so what's happening is you basically have a database that anybody can change the numbers in and nobody's really checking. And so what's what you're getting is this just like exponential problem. But honestly, I I don't even want to talk in, about any of that because it's such a rabbit hole and there's we have to be very careful what we say here because there's so many <coughs> there's so many things that we could say that could be looked at from a different perspective and be wrong and people could attack what we're saying and the credibility of what we're saying. So I want to be very careful on what we say here, but when we're talking, I disagree. We just have to say that we're we're not experts and they should do their own research. Now we're good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just don't, I just don't want to point anybody in a, in the wrong direction because yeah, I'm not an expert. I just, I know about immutability and what it does for me and why it's important to me. And that is literally what you just said. Because Bitcoin has the highest finality, we can transact with the assurance that not only the party that may be sending me money, that that money is actually coming to me and that money actually exists. But when I send money and they receive it, there's no way for them to say it didn't happen because I can see that transaction and I can see that it went to that address. And all of these things in the traditional financial system, you could call your bank right now and say, hey, you know that $120 purchase at Walmart earlier, uh, that wasn't me. It might have been you, but all you have to do is call your bank and say it wasn't and they can charge back. And they can take the money right out of Walmart's pocket. And so, you know, how you feel about Walmart or whatever is irrelevant. The pro- the point is, is that the U.S. dollar is not immutable. And because of that, you can scam people. You can lie to people. You can do all kinds of nefarious things that you sh- wouldn't be able to do in a system like Bitcoin where so, everything is final. So put in a, in a simpler way... Right now, the way the dollar works is we have to trust the system. We have to trust a system that is run by fallible, very fallible human beings who make mistakes. And um, that want to make money off of you, very clearly. Exactly. And Bitcoin is a trustless system. And by that, it means that you can trust it because... It's code. It's code. Um I want to read a, a quote real quick because I think it ties really well into what we're doing here. This is uh, F.A. Hayek in 1984, um, a very famous Austrian economist. Um, should I do an Austrian voice? <laughs> you do whatever you want. I don't even know if he if he had an accent, but here we go. I don't believe that we shall ever have a good money again before we take the thing out of the hands of government. That is, we can't take it violently out of the hands of government. All we can do is, by some sly roundabout way, introduce something that they can't stop. And, my friends, you guessed it. That's Bitcoin. Man, that's a corny and cheesy here. See, now that is the intro. That that was the intro to the episode. Right there. <laughs> that's why Bitcoin. That's why we Bitcoin. Did we talk about immutability enough, you think? What's immutability? <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> See, folks, unlike Bitcoin, this podcast is very mutable, <laughs> meaning we can go back and rewrite the podcast. We can change this. We can take this out. We can make ourselves sound better. So, yeah, we did talk about immutability no, far too much. Let's talk about fiscal policy irresponsibility okay. from central banks and governments globally. <laughs> Thanks, Travis Kling. Uh, well, <laughs> hold on. You're, you're skipping digital store value. See, you're going through this too fast. I don't. This isn't a quick orgasm, Brecky. This is a love-making experience. We're going to go slow and gentle. <laughs> Wait, wait, so you're saying that this is like, this is tantric sex that we're talking about here. <laughs> this, is, this is this is delayed gratification. I, I think in the, in the on Pornhub, they call this edging. Am I right? Yes. This by is- the way, by the way, let's talk Pornhub for half a second. Apparently, they are expanding their free premium subscription that they were giving away in Italy. They are giving it away to the entire world, folks. So that's right. So go to we're giving them a free commercial right here. Go to Pornhub and you can get a free premium subscription. Although I do hear that Costco is out of barrels of lube, so uh, you'll have to go on YouTube and look up some DIY alternatives. <laughs> it's funny. I was gonna plug um and read a tantric sex manuscript while you're at it. Cause don't use the word plug in this conversation. People are gonna think you're talking about something else. I mean, you can do that too. But, if you want. Uh, um no i don't <laughs> go on no just it, something that i learned very early on in my life anytime you expel fluids you have to recreate them and that takes energy so if you're doing something that requires all of your energy keep all of your fluids <laughs> uh so so actually, I was gonna make some bad joke. Well, no. Long story short, tantric sex isn't about whatever the fuck people think it's about for the most part. It's actually about learning not to orgasm and getting to a point. Right, that's what I was alluding to. Yeah, edging. But see, even in edging, what a lot of them do is they just. This is so fucking off topic. Um, in, <laughs> in edging, what a lot of people do is they just like they experience edging and then they orgasm later. And they're like, oh, the orgasm was so good. See, the, the, that's not the point. The point is you can get your body into a state where it's better than an orgasm. If you orgasm, it would feel worse and your body would lose that state. 100%. Uh, so, so it's, it's like a meditative orgasmic state is what, is what it is. Let, let's put it this way. The human body is the most complex chemical factory on the planet you can give yourself as much dopamine and serotonin as you want you just don't know where the fucking buttons are tantric sex is a way to push the buttons but if you orgasm it's like you blew up the control panel (laughs) (laughs) okay that's fair but i wonder if there's a there's a metaphor here for uh i wonder if we can link this into what what the fed is doing how can we how can we create a uh yeah, we, we can. Every time the Fed orgasms, that's them printing more dollars. But Bitcoin is the ultimate edgelord. Bitcoin never <laughs> orgasms. Just pre-orgasmic all the time, constant orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. This is, <laughs> this is good. Oh, man. 
we're finally talking about Tantra on Tantra Talks. We are. <laughs> I think we need to do this more often. This might, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to make a bet that, uh, you know, this might, uh, this might draw on the listeners. At least keep them, uh, at least wake them up a little bit. Uh, wake up, folks. Open no. your eyes. Ugh. Let's just try not to piss off the conservatives too much. But I, I mean, if they're, if they're listening to this podcast, then they probably like Bitcoin, which means they can't be too conservative, you know? True. Okay, well. Oh. Sex is good. That's my last thing. Okay, anyways. Um, <laughs> digital store value. So this is really important. Gold is very hard to transact in because if you wanted to buy something for a dollar, how do you give somebody a dollar worth of gold? Uh, it's probably like a micro spec of gold and no one's really going to take that. So it's very hard to divide. It's also very hard to store. If I have millions of dollars and I want to keep it in gold, I need to own a warehouse. I need 24 seven armed security. If I want to actually use it for stuff, God only knows how that works. And so when we deal in currency and we're even seeing this with dollars like the dollar is digital for the most part everything you do is on a debit card and a credit card most people don't use cash unless they're trying to avoid taxes and so for the most part digital currency is the solution of the future as we evolve into a digital world and it's infinitely divisible so you can take one Bitcoin and use one one hundredth of it or one one thousandth or one one millionth of a Bitcoin to buy something. You can store it in the same place. You could store thousands of Bitcoins for no more money than it would cost you to store 0.1 Bitcoin. And all of these things make a digital currency better than a physical currency like gold or silver um, or cash for the U.S. dollar. Well, sure, but that's only if you don't forego some of the things that make Bitcoin what it is. You know, like they're going to introduce a digital, like a truly digital dollar on some sort of pseudo blockchain. Right. But you know, 100%. they're going to be able to rewrite rewrite the, uh, the the cap anytime they want. You know what? I would love. I'll do this bet with you publicly right now. I would bet you that the U.S. dollar's blockchain will be private if it's on a blockchain. But I, I doubt it'll even be on a blockchain. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I, I would. I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to bet against you here. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think, I just think because of the blockchain, of blockchain being a buzzword, I think it it will be on some sort of thing that they will call a blockchain, but that we will not. You know, like, I, I mean, as a Bitcoiner, you can't separate blockchain from Bitcoin, in my opinion. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Um, But you know, it doesn't stop people from putting lettuce on the blockchain or medical records on the blockchain or any of that bullshit. So, yeah. you know, we'll see what they do. We'll see. We keep getting off topic, Russ. No insurance policy against monetary and fiscal policy responsibility. Yeah, there you go. Did we do that one yet? No, this is the next one, and you read it too fast because you're still trying to orgasm. So come on, slowly. <laughs> And I want it is an insurance policy against monetary and fiscal policy irresponsibility from central banks and governments globally. Okay. Checkers. So has anyone seen checkers? (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny because he uses it here. He's he's using it as like a sales pitch, which 
I like. I don't mind it. But he says it's an insurance policy because it, he's not talking about it as if it's uh, for a sure thing, which I'm okay with. Like I'm very much in the boat of like Bitcoin is an experiment. Um, and it's yeah. I mean this this quote. I'll just say the reason I love this quote so much is because it's a great thing to send to someone who is from the traditional finance world, someone who doesn't understand Bitcoin, but understands investing. Yeah. And it puts it in terms that aren't scary, aren't anarchistic, aren't, you know, libertarian. Um, it, it's just a way for them to understand it. Yeah. But anyway. No, 100%. And so I want to, let's break down that first part, right? So an insurance policy. And so Bitcoin is an experiment. We don't know the future. We don't know if what we think will happen will happen. And so the idea is that if the math works out the way that we expect it to, which is basically, you know, quarter million dollar Bitcoin within the next decade, then you are basically buying an insurance policy on the printing of money that is happening at the global scale. And so the idea is that if you own property in LA or really anywhere in the world, the value of that property tends to go up over time. And so most people don't even wonder why they just, they're like, Oh yeah, if I buy property, the price goes up. Well, why does it go up? It goes up because there's more dollars and there's more people that want that property. So there's more demand and there's more currency willing to get that to actually support that demand and so exactly i mean go ahead well i was just gonna say real real quick if you haven't watched the big short lately go watch the big short it's it was almost i watched it the other day and it's almost scary watching that with given the current context um but yeah like to your point basically for real estate there are two things going on it's there's the scarcity element that there's only so much real estate maybe you can build up but you can't build out um and then there's the increasing, uh, I want to say inflation, but people people always get tripped up when you say inflation, but the increased amount, increased supply of currency, which yeah. means that the buying power is less. Yeah, exactly. Like when they inject 30% more dollars into the economy, that means that all things now are worth 30% more. By today's standards, your buying power just went down 30% if they inject $6 trillion. They literally just went into your bank account and took out 30% of your money. That's what they're saying. People don't look at it that way, but that's what they that's what they literally are saying. And that's just by the way, the stock market's only down, you know, 30, 40%. So they're literally taking from people to pump the stock market. Like I don't know. It's ass backwards if you ask me, but let's keep going with this. So an insurance policy against them doing that. And the idea is that basically as long as the governments have the power to print money and, you know, I am all for eliminating student debt. I'm all for, you know, basically helping out people, UBI, all these different concepts to fix the broken financial system whether they work in their current context or not is outside of the scope of what I understand, but, or even what I want to talk about. But the point is for these things to happen, money will be printed. 
And as long as they continue to print money, to loan to people, to use credit, to you know fund these large companies, and as long as we operate in a world where leverage is real and where we allow people to leverage, and, and what I mean by leverage is basically as long as we allow people to spend more money than they have, then they will have to keep printing. And as long as they have to keep printing, value of property work will continue to go up bitcoin being property as well and so in a world where all things are going digital i love the idea of owning digital property i'm with you that's why we're here do you, i i feel like you've got so much to add on this last part i want i want to let you i mean make love to it i guess i get i can try it i think i think it just makes to me, it's obvious, you know, like I, I've ha- I had my aha Bitcoin moment a long time ago. So to me, like, this is just like another day. It's <laughs> not another, this is definitely not another day, actually. You know, things are, it's almost unbelievable to me. It's like, this is not something as a Bitcoiner I had hoped for, to be perfectly honest. Um, like my idea of how hyper Bitcoinization might play out was on a much longer time frame. Um the reason being because, you know, the fear was that we would see these crazy shocks to the system, you know, that people would hurt because of it. Like if Bitcoin rose too quickly or if like if the dollar just didn't exist one day and everyone was left with nothing and Bitcoin was the only thing and everyone was scrambling for Bitcoin, you know, that would be ba- very bad. And so my what's what's scaring me now is that I think the hyper Bitcoinization schedule has been forcibly rushed up. You know, there's a very real possibility that the economic kind of downfall of the current system, the downturn of the system that we as Bitcoiners knew was is coming is happening a lot quicker. Um, so so I, I will I will play devil's advocate here because I do. as much as I have thought the way that you're thinking right now and I would love to be. I don't know. I, I don't know whether I'm right or wrong or anything like that. But the the one thing that I've learned about the current economic system is it's like a cockroach. You can't kill it. And the reason is because these guys control everything and all they have to do is print more money. And so the only thing that fixes that is people waking up and and that's really why I wanted to do this podcast and break down you know some of the more complicated aspects of bitcoin with you and why it makes sense in simple terms because as long as we keep thinking about it like this complex investment risk off ass or sorry risk on asset that you hold with one percent of your portfolio and we keep talking like this the only people that are one percent well the the only people that are going to benefit are the people that are already doing fine we need to talk in ways where simple people can understand and start to buy bitcoin and own small pieces that way when what we're seeing happen continues to happen, they're successfully hedged and ready 
I mean, you're you're a hundred percent right. I mean, like every time I buy Bitcoin, I, I think to myself, and this is because I haven't yet convinced my family to go in on Bitcoin the way I have. I'm saying to myself, shit, like half of the Bitcoin I'm buying is going to have to support my family if, if, if everything, if shit hits the fan, because they're not in on, on this. Yeah. So you're 100% right that we need to make it more accessible. But, you know, I want to, I want to go back a little bit and ask you this. So you say that they can keep printing money and keep printing money, that they control it and they can just print to infinity. And yes, that's technically true. But, you know, what happens? Like, do we, does the United States turn into Zimbabwe? You know, like, <laughs> like, no, because yeah, yeah. like, yes, and you can print, but that causes inflation. You know, they can't just deny inflation if they print money. So let's, let's do a thought experiment because this well, is actually, wait a second. Do- Donald Trump could definitely, he could definitely deny inflation. He could get up there and be like, there is no inflation. Uh, everything is great. But like, you know, the markets will, don't lie. So, well, it's like this, like, let's say that the United States government prints money to the tune of 2% a year. Okay. And some other country somewhere else prints money to the tune of 3% a year. I was in India and you know what their billboards, what their uh, savings accounts make Hmm. savings account in India will make you about 7%. The United States is yeah. 1.5%. So as long as the U S is printing money slower than everybody else. No, we don't end up looking like Zimbabwe. The problem is when you start printing money faster than the rest of the world. And so this is where we're playing this game of cards where we're just like stacking this house of cards. And what we're seeing with the coronavirus is the the house is, is shaking, right? The house just mm-hmm. got a strong gust of wind and in order to like keep it from blowing down, they're whipping out the scotch tape and just like trying to tape this baby down with a $6 trillion stimulus package to basically inflate and take 30% straight out of your pocket. And they're doing this because they look at it as like, well, if we only lose 30%, then we can successfully navigate and not lose 50% of the total growth or like have these companies go into bankruptcy, people die from starvation. They're averting major disaster by doing it. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that it shouldn't happen, but the fact that it is happening just goes to show that the system is broken. And yes, we can print to infinity. And they will continue to use it as a band-aid for problems like this. The the real like moral of all of this that is important to me that I want to come across here is the issue is that the fact that something like this happens in the world and the whole government starts freaking out about billionaires' wealth and People start to miss rent payments because they didn't go to work for a month. That people can't buy food because they didn't go to work for a month. Something is wrong. Something is very, very wrong. 
I mean, to add to your kind of house of cards metaphor, it's almost like, it's like you're building a house of cards. Like, so if printing money is building a house of cards, what's happening now is they're literally using the cards from the bottom of the tower to build the top <laughs> of the tower. And eventually it's going to come crashing down. It's like a game yeah, of Jenga, exactly. you know, like it's a game yeah. of Jenga and they're trying to build to the ceiling because the ceiling is some goal, but eventually it's going to fall. Um, yeah. You know, and some, somebody on Twitter said this and I was just like, oh shit, that actually makes a lot of sense. And they were basically saying that the purchasing power of Bitcoin can go to infinity. And the reason why is because the amount of fiat that can be printed can go to infinity. Yep. It's this like inverse correlation. Exactly. That, that, that's why Bitcoin, right? It, it is the digital hedge. You have like, and so here's a really good thing to think about, right? Like, not that this is realistic, but it's just as a thought experiment. So people talk about gold as like Bitcoin's closest alternative. So what happens when we go find an asteroid that's made out of gold? And we just in oh, my favorite example, you know, we just we inflate the supply of gold times five. So now your gold is worth 20 percent of what it was worth before. That cannot happen with Bitcoin because it's written in the code. OK, same idea. Elon Musk is trying to go to Mars. All hail Lord Elon. So when he gets to Mars, guess what? We now have, you know, 50 percent more real estate. So your real estate prices are going to go down because everybody's going to move to Mars. Yeah, yeah, but but think about the commute, man. The commute from Earth to Mars is like that's unbearable. Yeah, you don't. (laughs) Maybe if we have self-driving Tesla spaceships, then you know then it'll be okay. Dude, who knows? Maybe we're fucking teleporting by then. I don't know. The point is, all of these things are technically not finite resources to to our understanding and so like truly you have a digital asset that is actually finite written in law like in the code i i can't get that across enough as a programmer it's like no one's changing that and if if someone does change it you don't have to agree with them and i promise you a lot of people won't agree with them and they'll continue to use 21 million yeah, I mean, they've tried. They've tried multiple times, so let them keep trying. Keep wasting their time and energy. I feel like we went off on so many tangents on this call. We did, but that's what that's that's what Tantra Talks is all about, Russell. That's why our listeners keep tuning back in. They love our tangents. Isn't that right, listeners? See, right. I, need, uh, I need statistics, and then I'll tell you if that's true or not. Cause... No, no, Russell, let me make up statistics. It's way more fun that way. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> you don't understand the relationship I have with my listeners, okay? It is a very close relationship. I somehow always know what they want. Uh, everything I say is what they want to hear and what they want to learn Has about. anyone it is. outside of our close friends told you that they listened to all of the podcasts? All of the podcasts. Um, but I, look, my relationship with the <laughs> listeners is not that close, all right? I'm not talking to them every day (laughs) all right folks that's enough of us blabbering on about the economy and bitcoin and coronavirus uh we will be coming back to you next week or later this week or whenever we feel like it until then stay safe (laughs) stay safe 
Social distance, stock up on toilet paper, don't freak out. It's not the end of the world, only maybe the beginning of the end of the world. And uh, that's all I got. Russ, any, any last words for the folks yes, at home? Yes, it's definitely the beginning of the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's my nervous <laughs> Well, like, the sun's going to explode in a few million years, right? So it's definitely happening. So don't worry, you will die. Then... Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Hashtag stay home, hashtag buy Bitcoin, you know? Keep it simple. <laughs> Keep it simple. All right, folks. See we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, consider leaving us a positive review, and sharing us with your friends. And if you'd like to earn interest on your Bitcoin, Tantra Labs has the highest performing return on debt in Bitcoin. To find out more about how we have delivered the highest return in the market, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, Medium, or the contact link available in the show notes. Thanks for listening.